I'm good with. Hello, welcome back to the Plate Discipline Podcast. I'm your beloved co-host, Joey, joined by my co-hosts, Josh and Tim. I didn't prepare any notes this week, so uh, fuck it, we do it live. How are we doing today, gentlemen? Doing I am good. doing great because the Guardians are 500 as of Yeah, I was going to mention that. 14 nice. and 14. 14 and 14. Let's go. They weren't playing well. They went on a 7-3 run just to get here. Uh, and now they're at 14 and 14. So way to go, Cleveland. Uh, the prophecy has come true. Uh, Joe, how, how was the, uh, how was the uh, great country of Canada? Oh, the great the country of Canada was, was in fact, a country. It was great. It was uh, one of the countries of all time. Um. This is a baseball podcast, so we're not going to talk about it here too much. But uh, there is a very weird list of rules for what you can and cannot bring into the United States. Uh, you cannot bring Kinder Eggs into the United States. You cannot bring dirt into the United States. You cannot bring meat into the United States um, of any kind. Cold cuts? Nope. Can't do it. So very strange. But uh, the Kinder Surprise eggs are made differently here because of the choking hazard. I yeah, don't know, maybe well, American I mean, kids are just stupid or something. Well, I mean, it's just a bad idea. Whatever. Um, Josh, I know that I I, well, I was going to ask real quick. I know that Josh um has been to most of the MLB stadiums or is trying to is is uh I don't know I don't remember which one the one in uh, Toronto is. But have you have you been to that one, Josh? Rogers Center. Yeah. The Rogers Center. I've been to every stadium on the east half of the U.S., just the west coast, really. Um, it's one of the worst stadiums, though, honestly. To go hey! To. Really? Hey! It is real. They need a new stadium. I'm just going to say that. It's old-looking. It is not anything special. It really does not have any... They got that hotel in the back. That's really the only unique quality to it. I, I'm Like, I'm going to say it. When you compare it to the rest of the stadiums actively in baseball right now, it is 25 or lower out of 30. I don't know, Josh. I mean, it looks. I mean, I, I've, I he, like. He the has also been it. here. He, he has also been there. So let's, yeah, you know, like, yeah. Let's on give TV, him an it might look different. On TV, it looks different than everything else. I'm going to say that when you're actually there, especially when you get to compare it to all the other stadiums, it doesn't really compare to a lot that have either like a grander feel or a skyline or other features in the stadium that make it look more unique. The hotel's fine, but really, it just looks like a giant. Uh, what is it like media thing in the outfield? Just like it, whatever. Uh, it, well, it's fine, anyway, but it's not like the most special thing in the world, I would say. So some things have changed in baseball. Some things haven't. Uh, the Houston Astros are one seven straight and are now in second place in the West because God hates us all. Um, as predicted, the Mariners are two and eight. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, two and eight in their last ten. They've fallen all the way back to third in that division. Um, and speaking of the Toronto Blue Jays, they have not, they did not look good this week, four and six in their last 10. Uh, they're all the way down to third in the American League East, despite being 17 and 13, by the way. So they're still a playoff team as of this time. Um, the Orioles are kind of playing good ball right now. I mean, six and four is like by any other standard a joke, but like for the Orioles, pretty good. I mean, I don't know who they played, but whatever. Easy, easy opponents. The offense came alive. So uh, good for them, but it's obviously not going to last. Um, there's some hot and cold streaks to talk about. We're going to ignore all of that to talk about something that I'm very passionate about. The Seattle oh. Mariners are frauds. <laughs> I told you they were frauds. 
You didn't believe they me. Are not, but okay. They lost two out of three. They got swept by the Astros. They lost two out of three to Miami. They lost two out of three to Tampa twice. And now they got to play Philly. They're frauds. You don't want to know why they're frauds? Yes. Because they're from Seattle. Okay. I mean, I, they don't, they have not looked good recently. Like they just haven't. Given up a lot of runs and losses. Mm, a lot of runs. You look at the, their run differential right now, and it's just, it's, it's just not looking good. Like, going back to the series with the Marlins, right? This is the amount of runs that they gave up in each game, right? Uh, yeah, okay, so just keep that in mind. So this is each game. 8-3-3. Three, three. That's the Marlins series. 3-4-7. Three, 4-8-8 four, four, eight, eight is That was the Houston and the uh, Tampa series. And then one. So that's how many games where they gave up eight runs? Like... Not gonna win like that, man. You ain't gonna You're win. Not, like- but then you look at the recent games, and then you look at the first. Like that's of the games that were just played. That's the second half. You look just, at the first half, and they're good. We're just not gonna talk about the A's either because they lost fucking ten in a row or nine in a row. They did also. I mean, like, sure, their pitching is just not look good. But I mean, like against Houston, I I could be wrong, but I think they only scored two runs the entire yeah, they series. Sc- they got shut out in each of the first two games. Yeah. So, I mean, is it time to start digging their grave? Uh, the answer is no, because I already started. But uh, for normal people, um, I don't know. Normal people talk about the Seattle Mariners, people that actually know what they're doing and took notes this week. So just Josh, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I don't take notes. I just kind of talk. Yeah, you just stalk. You just watch everything all at once. For well, those of you, it's because of MLB score predictor. I look at every team's lineup every day. So obviously, for those of I you listening along. at home, okay. For those of you listening at home, Josh's setup that he has in his room is crazy. He's got like ten flat screen TVs. He's got giant speakers. Every single game is going on all at once. If there's no games on at that moment, it's MLB Network in the middle TV, and then it's just classic games going on. Like you got like Yankees classics and Mets classics, and just a bunch of different old baseball games going on all at once. And Josh just sits there like in rap God, when Eminem is just like sitting there, like having all of the knowledge from all of the books inserted into his mind. Right. That's what Josh is doing. So just keep that's, that in mind. That up, sounds like the coolest thing ever. I wish that was real. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm telling the truth aside from the, everything <laughs> like the, the entire, the entire bit is made up. I don't know what's in Josh's room. I've never been, but um, on one you know. TV, but uh, one more than I have if I could have a wall of TVs with every game on that would be the most amazing thing I know people do that for like football and March Madness and stuff but um, people still do that for football like that's what Red Zone was invented for oh well I mean maybe not anymore but just March Madness though I still do March Madness I still do that yeah I'll like just compile televisions doesn't matter how good they are just like put them together like Dutch duct tape, make like a white trash version. Um, anyway, enough about televisions. The Mets are kind of struggling right now. Kind of, not really. Um, say, define, the, make your, what, what's your argument for that, Joe? Hey, Tim, you should get further away from the microphone, dumbass. Okay, I got up because my room is a, an absolute mess right now, and I could not find my phone. 
That sounds like a you problem. All right. We're professionals on this show. I'm packing. Hi, packing. I'm Joe. Um, what what is your argument for the Mets being splitting shitty? with the splitting with the Braves? They're not shitty. They're just slowing down. Yeah, you know the Mets actually haven't swept a single series, but they've also never lost one. So it's this is the whole season. They haven't done anything different. Yeah, but I mean they were like seven and three in their last ten at a point, and now they're like six and four. Uh, you know what? <laughs> yeah, because it was the yeah. time where they won three out of four against the Giants when they still won every series. They just haven't swept any yet. So yeah. this is it's been kind of like this the entire time. Braves, uh, Braves, I guess you could say are starting to pick up a little bit. Uh, I mean, it's not going to be it's not going to be enough to catch it's not going to be enough to catch up to the division. I mean, splitting with the Mets is certainly a start. Yeah, that is a start for them. And they um, also beat took two the out of three from the Brew Crew. Yeah, the Brewers were really, really good until the Braves kind of stopped them a little bit. Here. And yeah. and they get the baseball equivalent of free wins because they face Boston coming up. Boston stinks. I mean, Boston really stinks. Like, I, I don't feel bad for them at all. Like, I know the A's stink right now, but, like, we were supposed to stink, okay? The Red Sox are 10 and 19 in a year where everybody from Boston will tell you that they were, they were getting ready to repeat from last year, you know, going to the ALCS or whatever. And I just want to know where that is now and that – I hope those fans are maintaining that same energy somewhere. I said um, before the season started that the whole offense would be Devers, Bogarts, and Martinez, and that's exactly what's happening. All right, Josh, you were right, okay? Again, all of the baseball monitors, all right? The knowledge is being directly <laughs> IV'd no, into your fucking veins. I just mean that it's very dramatic here, the gap between those three and everyone else. Like, they are the only ones providing anything offensively for that team. They're not going to get anywhere, even if the pitching improves, which it's not. No, it's professional hitter J.D. Martinez needs to get better. Uh, does he need to get better? I don't know why I said that. Martinez has a long hitch streak, I think. I am so fried right now. Y'all have no idea. Like, it's crazy. Like, my head hurts. The Islanders fired Barry Trotz today for no reason. I saw that. I formally resigned as an Islander fan today. Formally. As in, I sent a paragraph long text to my dad. Like, I can't do this anymore. If they're going to continue to be stooges. So, uh, if 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 you know an NHL team that needs a fan and it isn't Toronto or the Rangers, uh, have your office contact my office. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But I'll probably just be a hockey fan now, because I mean, like, I can't do that. Whatever. Um, is there any like crazy good storylines that we could be discussing right now? The Twins. Yeah, the T's are seven and three, and there there are three separate teams who are seven and three in their last ten: Minnesota, Chicago, Cleveland. But the Twins also lost, like, two to Baltimore. Like, they split the series with Baltimore. And then they – I don't remember if it was, like, within the last, you know, week that we were talking. But, like, they did really good against the Rays. Um, yeah, they, they took two or three against the Rays. They swept us. They swept They swept Oakland, but they won by one run every single game. Still okay, counts I'm as sorry. a win. I, I can't say the Twins are good even with their record. They – since April 15th, their series have been the Red Sox, Royals, White Sox when they were on their losing streak, Tigers. The Rays were the only somewhat good team. Then they had the Orioles and Twins. Well, they're the about Orioles to get the Astros. That's going to be a test. But, I mean, even against the A's, every win was by one run. That's not that impressive. Well, what if they win two out of three against Houston? Then what? Then I'd be impressed because the Astros are on like a seven-game winning streak right now. I think it's more than that, isn't it? No, uh, it's, seven. it's seven. It's seven. You're right. It's and the seven. Astros have been pitching amazing in during their winning streak. So I 
like I can't say the Twins are good yet because they really haven't been tested at all. And Josh, they had no competition in the division. Name one starting pitcher for the Houston Astros during the 2005 World Series. One pitcher? Starting pitcher. Well, I'm being starting. an asshole. The correct starting answer was, pitcher. yeah, starting. There were four starting you, pitchers for the Astros. No, I, I, I know that you can you could play dumb all you want, Josh. I know you know every single pitcher, so it's fine. If I thought about it long enough, I might. But off the top of my head, I don't know if I do. I mean, you could have said a lot of guys. I was thinking Andy Pettit. Uh, anyway. Oh, see, I don't even put him together with the Astros, even though he's there. Oh, Roy Oswald. Old... Yeah, Roy. Roy there, there you go. <laughs> he did it, Tim. <laughs> Bro. That's that's one that came to mind right there. But I like I don't even think of Pettit there, even though he was. Yeah, that was a, a weird year for baseball. Like, I mean, the White Sox, who had been to the playoffs three times, just won the World Series. Like, felt cute, might win World Series later. I don't know. Like, that's what it was. And then they just went back to being the White Sox after that. How about Rizzo, dude? Like, Anthony uh, he Rizzo. He hasn't done much after he had that really good week he's or still two. leading. He's still leading in the league in homers, and he's eighth in the league in RBIs. He's had, like, no hits in the past week or so. He just got a dinger today. Today? Yeah. I don't think he did. He did. Today? They I, won one nothing. And who hit the home run? There wasn't any home runs. Never mind. Josh, er, fuck, fuck you. He had an RBI. So, I mean, I updated the actual outcome, so he I have a, to look he, at the he had a, he had a He had a Rivy double. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but still, I mean, that's a big run because they win one, nothing. He's projected right now to finish with 50 home runs and 123 RBIs. I don't know if he'll actually be able to get there, but no, he, this, he's this in May already. He's two for 20 with one walk. So yeah, but that can change, man. It can change, but he got off to such a hot start that it makes him look like one of the best players in baseball. Like he could still, I hasn't Donaldson kind of been. Not stinking, but he's really hasn't done anything. Kind of, yeah, kind of stinking, to be honest. He's not as much as Gallo, but oh, Gallo. I mean, don't even get me going. Jesus Christ. I I just, I don't, it's not a personal thing with him. It's just, I find that brand of baseball to be very boring. Yeah, I didn't really think he was a great fit to begin with. I'm not really sure why. Well, you know why? Because he can, he's a lefty. And they have the short porch over there, and he likes to go yard a whole bunch. It's the only reason they traded for Rizzo and Gallo at the deadline last year. Mm. Right. But at least Rizzo can do other things, you know? He like, could, but he hasn't done much in the past few seasons. Like, like overall. Yeah, but, I mean, Rizzo still is a decent contact guy, right? And he can do more than just pull the ball to right field. Like, that's all Gallo has ever been able to do. Yeah. Right. Which, again, I respect the crap out of that, because like we talk about Jeff Mathis being really good at one thing and making a career out of it. Joey Gallo is really good at one thing and he's made a career out of it. Like, I mean, Rizzo also doesn't really strike out all that much, but he also doesn't walk. So it's. But I mean, still, well, no, that, he walks, but whatever. you put the ball in play. Good things happen, dude. Like. <laughs> I, I understand what you're saying, but like at the same time, I even if somebody has a high strikeout or a low stroke strikeout rate and a low rock walk rate, I still am impressed by that just because of the fact that like 
you put the ball in play, eventually good things happen. It doesn't even matter like that you don't walk a lot because you, you keep putting the ball in play and eventually somebody's either going to make an error or it's going to find a hole or something's going to happen, right? But uh, just a quick, quick little tidbit on Gallo here. Gallo right now is batting 183. He's got an OBP of 284, a slugging percentage of 324. Now, for the record, Gallo last season was hitting 160. So that's and- only that was only brought up by like a hot streak of two weeks where he was hitting a home run like every other game. And in Texas, he was hitting 223 when the Yankees traded for him. And in 2020, he hit 181. So like, it's not like Joey Gallo is a, is a contact guy who all of a sudden just fell off of a fucking cliff. Like, no, this is this guy's thing. Like he doesn't really hit for contact. He doesn't really hit. He's, he's Adam Dunn. Like he's a kind of a poor man's version of Adam Dunn. If I'm being completely honest with you, like Adam Dunn, I think his 50% of his at-bats were three true outcomes. Walk strikeout home run. Um, I don't don't quote me on that, but like it's something crazy Pretty like sure, that. Right. I've seen the video. Yeah, I know. It's yeah, cool. everybody's seen that SB Nation video or whatever they're called now. But like Adam Dunn still played in the league for a long time from 2001 to 2014. Apparently, he played 25 games with Oakland. OK, um, and he had over a thousand RBIs. He hit over 450 home runs. Right. Like very good major leaguer. <laughs> And three true outcomes. How many times did he strike out? He struck out almost 200 times in 2004 and 2006. Like, his best season in terms of strikeout, total strikeouts, was that was actually a full season, mind you, not like a, you know, not like a shortened season. The best he ever did was... 126 in 116 games in 2003 but I mean in in an average season for him he was finishing with at least 160 strikeouts in 162 games then you look at it on base percentage and it's still pretty good for what he was doing yeah because he walked a bunch yeah like 2002 he strikes out 170 times but he walks 128 times like you know I mean it's not crazy good but and also, you look at his batting averages, too, and that kind of leans you into, hey, you know, he's kind of – this is why Gallo is a bit of a poor man's version of Dunn because Dunn consistently was a, a 230, 235 hitter, which is not good, mind you, but it is good when you consider the fact that he was hitting – how many home runs a season? He was hitting 40 home runs a season. He hit he, – he had three consecutive seasons – four, actually, excuse me, where he hit 40 home runs exactly <laughs> – 40, 40, 40, 40. And he had over a hundred RBIs in three out of those or four out of the, yeah, three out of the three out of those four seasons. And he had over a hundred RBIs several times over the course of his career. Like there's a place in baseball for a guy like this. We can't pretend like that's not the case. There is, but it really doesn't. It works with the Rangers. It doesn't. It, when he's with the Yankees, it kind of with Gallo with the Yankees, at least it just makes it look like he's dead weight, especially when he's not. He, he's not. He doesn't have any power right now, and he's in no. Yankee Stadium. 
Which is weird because it feels like if it would work with any team, it would be the it Yankees. It would work with the Yankees, yeah. But it's just not. Very frequently are home runs hit there that wouldn't be hit out of any other ballpark. So I wouldn't see why Gallo couldn't get a Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, it's why I'm not even, like, going after management for this, right? Because I could full well make a compelling argument to everybody here why they should have made that trade for Joey Gallo. And it, it's predicated on what you guys just said. It's this kid loves to pull the ball. He hits a lot of home runs. And that was in Texas where they have a, a fairly deep outfield, certainly not compared to the short porch and right in Yankee stadium. Right. So think about how many home runs he's going to hit when he's got a shorter fence to hit it to. Right. Like all, all of us can contact them. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, you could say that. Right. But we had no evidence at that point to suggest like, yeah, he's not going to be able to make contact in New York though. The distance between the plate and home and the batter's boxes and all that bullshit. It's exactly the same in Yankee stadium. Right. The dis- everything else is exactly the same. I mean, you can argue wind might be different, right? But that shouldn't be that much of a factor. This well, is- yeah, the wind in Yankee Stadium doesn't – it tends to actually favor the hitter more often than not. And then uh, the Rangers, I know they have a new stadium now, but it's always been a retractable roof, so on and off. The only difference is the level of pitching within the division. Yeah. The AL East has – many more star pitchers, I would say, than the AL West did through most of Gallo's career. Yeah, and now he's kind of eaten it a little bit, which, I mean, even I, I still think, you know, after this season, we'll, we'll reevaluate, right? Because in the same way that Joey Gallo could get off to a hard start, he could get off to a, a, a wicked second half or something like that, you know? In the same way that Rizzo or in the same way that Rizzo got off to a hot start and, um, you know, is now starting to slow down. Same thing could happen for Gallo. We're, we're, we're like, what, 30 or 40, 35, 40 games in now? Like, you know, there's still a solid – how many exactly? Not exactly, but, like, I want to say 90. It's like almost 100 ga- – more than 100 games left. So, slow down. I know Yankee fans have a penchant for not slowing down, but, like, trust me, slow down. It's going to be okay. Maybe. I'd say probably. Yeah, I was actually I was actually curious, so I just looked real quick. Gallo doesn't hit home runs against any of the AL East teams. He yeah. only hits against like, he only hits against the Orioles. Against the Red Sox, Blue Jays, and Rays, he's hit like no home runs for the Yankees at all. Yeah, which is kind of a problem. Yeah. Could you get it? Could you get it out of curiosity? Could you tell me what his career against the AL East is? Oh man, that's going to be tough to try to filter. Um, yeah, just, I don't know if I even know how to do that. I'd have to try to figure because that like would that be out. that would be a good stat to to mention to like some Yankees fan account. I feel like it would be more like credible though if it was when he was on the Yankees though and not on the Rangers because like he's on the Yankees now. If I tried to filter that, I'd have to exclude the Yankees when he was on the Rangers. Or sorry, the Yankees when he's on the Rangers, but then not include the Yankees when he's on the Yankees. It, it's a whole different he thing. Can't, like, he, he can't hit home runs against his own team. No, obviously not. But it's completely different when he's facing the AL East a lot different. Or sorry, a lot less frequently. Yeah. Uh, when you don't, have, an, you don't have as much tape on the guys. Yeah. Uh, I, I was just looking at when he was actually with the Yankees. 
he doesn't hit against any team but the Orioles. In terms of the AL East, or is yeah. that just in general? In terms of the AL East with the Yankees, all of his home runs with the Yankees so far, like almost all of them, besides the Orioles, once again, have been outside of the AL East. Good to know. Good to know. How many of those were at home? Do you think you can get me that stat? Yeah, we're at home. All right, I'm going to have to look again. <laughs> because And just for the Yankees, mind you. Yeah. Like what – like – Tell me how many home runs he has total with the Yankees, and then tell me how many were at home. Okay, so that's a little easier to find, I would think. Yeah, exactly. I'm not looking for career numbers now. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's see. Splits in 2021. Tim, while he's doing that, tell me a, a fun fact about baseball. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Um. It's not a fun fact. That's an opinion. It's a fact. Am I going to have to do your job for you? Sure. Oh, I do have a fun fact. Um, I did want to start talking about um, – uh, damn. Oh, the Giants. So the Giants have lost two over their past seven games, and I do understand that uh, a good part of that was the Dodgers, but the Giants were kind of on a hot streak. Um, and – now, honestly, this past week, they just kind of look like shit. So um, you're saying that the Giants have only won two of their last seven? Only won two of their last seven. Okay. So. Given, of, given they had a series against the Dodgers, but um, yeah, which, which they which, lost every single game of. Yeah, which needs to be noted. But if you want to be good in that division, you got to be able to at least take some from the Dodgers. Mm. Um, I'm going to give you a quick baseball facts while Josh is still getting numbers. But um, so there has been one player in baseball history who has hit two players who two grand slams off the same player in the same inning. And that really? would be Fernando Tatis senior. Uh, he hit them off of, I believe Chan Ho park. It might be Hideo Nomo though. Did not know that. Hold on. Now I'm doing research. So I believe he last year he only had seven at home for the Yankees, which was only half of his home runs. Uh, well, that's and that's not a lot for Gallo. Uh, and then so far this season, he only has three. Um, it, it was Chan Ho Park, by the way. Used to be on the, I think he was a Mets prospect or something like that. I could be wrong at one point, not anytime recently. You guys ever seen the interview with Chan Ho Park where he's like, uh, yeah, I had a lot of diarrhea. <laughs> That's a real, by the way. A, yeah, I had a lot of diarrhea. And uh, what you guys think it's and like everybody's laughing at him, and he's like, "What you guys think it's funny?" Yeah, oh, no, Gallo. Oh my God, Gallo hasn't even hit over half of his home runs with the Yankees at home. And this year, he only has three. Two of them are against the Orioles, so it's whatever. Huh. So, unrelated. Uh, you know what? Never mind. This is a baseball show. Um, I just got some interesting news about the Islanders. Um, How so interesting is interesting? Pretty interesting, as in the reason why they fired Trotz is apparently there was a rift between him and Barzell, um, which I would still side with Trotz over. I was I, – yeah, no, I don't want to delve too much too deep into it, but I remember I was reading over the um, – like the reasons why this morning and it said that they needed a new voice in the locker room. And that usually indicates one of two things to me, at least 
it either indicates that there's something going on within the clubhouse that we don't really know enough about, or they fired him so that they could save their own ass. Um, and yeah. just don't want to give a valid reason for it. And it seems like it's more of, it seems, it seems like a, a combination of both. We're missing something. Yeah, there's something clearly missing there, which is again not the point. But you don't you don't fire the second best coach in your team's history after one year of not missing the playoffs, and before that he'd taken you to the playoffs in three consecutive years to conference finals twice. So, baseball show. Um, you know what? Actually, good segue. Managers are kind of fucking useless, aren't they? Like to a to a degree. Uh, I wouldn't say that. I don't. I say that. What do they do? Okay, I, I mean, I feel like baseball managers are more important than coaches in other sports. Well, now you're going to have to explain yourself. Okay, baseball involves a lot more strategy, I would say, because it's not constant action like other sports are. Um, you have, so, I mean, there's different sides of it. I can talk about first bullpen usage, which is almost entirely up to the manager. Yeah, bullpen usage I'll give you. And then there are double switches, switch hitters, pinch runners, pinch hitters. And you have to know when to use what player and what situation to use that player almost on the fly. And you have to really make sure you can make that quick adjustment. Like if it's the bottom of the eighth, you're down by one run and you're expecting whatever player at the plate to strike out and they happen to draw a walk. Then your number nine hitter is about to come up. Do you pinch hit or do you let him get out and then hope that you score and the bottom of ninth and walk it off at the top of your order. You have to know how to use your players properly. Where in other sports, it's more about calling plays and knowing when to call timeouts at strategic points. And I get it's way deeper than that, and I have more of an understanding of baseball. But when you have more time to make the decisions, they're a little more complex. I, I almost think like they're given that time to kind of uh, strategically plan out what player goes where because it's not like you just swap them out like in the nba where you have a bench and you can call a timeout or there are free throws and you switch people in and out to increase decrease minutes whatever in baseball you use them they're done and then often the next day you don't usually see most relievers pitch two two days in a row it's a whole other so i'm not i don't want to get so much deeper into it but just in general i feel like there's more strategy in baseball which means the manager has more of an important job Okay, for the second week in a row, Josh Evans. I was not paying attention at all. Okay. <laughs> but but I'm sure that what you said was wrong. Um, because managers how, and how could you say I'm wrong and then argue after not hearing the point of it? <laughs> I'm not I'm not gonna lie, Joe. That was a that was a dick move. That was a dick move. Which was the point, was really by the way. Which is what the point was, by the way, was to be an ass. Um, anyway, I, I do know something, and, and so I guess this this can go in general. Honestly, this doesn't even have to be, you know, it, it's been inspired by what transcribed in hockey today or tr- took place in hockey today. But uh, it, it it's unilateral for every sport. Um, one of the keys to winning is winning culture. And I know that, you know, analytics nerds don't like to admit that, but it's the truth is you need to have a winning culture. And um, I don't know how you get it, but I do know how you lose it. Um, and I've seen teams lose it before. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be pulling references from all different sports here. So just bear with me. 
but um, I've seen the Chicago Blackhawks lose winning culture, right? I've seen – I'm trying to think of a baseball example. I mean, the Yankees lost winning culture as soon as Rodriguez showed up, right? That's not because of Rodriguez, but it's just like winning culture in general. What does that mean? It's like preaching accountability to your players. You give everything and we give everything for each other. Nobody's in this for themselves. We will battle adversity. We will battle for each other, right? At least that's my idea of a winning culture. And the opposite of that to me would be a culture of fear. And so it's difficult to try to manage talent while also trying to keep a winning culture that promotes accountability and camaraderie because you want to field your best nine. And I mean that in general, as in you want to put together the best roster available while also managing the human aspect of it, because let me put you in the perspective of I'll make it general, right? But you have a very successful manager, right? This manager is the backbone of your team. He's the reason why you're winning, right? And then you have a bad season and ownership sacks them. Let me put you in the position of the players. It's a lot of peace, right? So that guy just did so much for this organization and they canned him. What does that mean about me? Are they, are they going to just get rid of me as soon as I start slowing down? Fuck yeah, that. I, I feel like that more depends on the sport because and in the NHL, I see that coaches have a lot less like chances almost like they're not really given the time really like it seems like like just you know you're gone during the season whatever or you've had like two bad seasons in a row you're not working where there are different ways to look at it from other sports and I understand I don't have the best understanding of hockey I just see more frequently coaching changes well I mean it's the same way in football too it's the same way in football, right? But then as far as the leadership part of it, in the NHL, you're playing almost every other day. And in the NFL, you play now 17 games, but it's every week. Yeah, once a week. So still- it's – I get you're still playing, but different dynamic there. Like NFL players, of course, you're practicing and everything. But, like, you're not – like, you're not constantly with your coaches or your managers, whatever. Like, you are in other sports where you're constantly traveling – you were playing almost every day. The NFL is different, I would say. Maybe the coaches in the NHL and NFL are given the same uh, chance. Yeah, I, th- I think that it also depends on what teams are expecting. Expectation of the team is also important, right? Like, let's say, yeah. right? Like, let's say we, like, I, hypothetically, right? Like, let's say the Bills fire, fire Sean McDermott, right? The, the next guy that comes in, he's not going to have a grace period. He's going to be expected, like, you got to win now. Let's say somebody was replacing Andy Reid or Aaron Boone, right? Like, they got to go now, right? Like, you got to win now. I don't care what the circumstance is. I don't care what hand you're dealt. You're winning now. Why? Because that's what the fan base expects based on past results and roster structure, right? The same, exactly. that's that's unilateral. That's every sport, right? Well, it depends if it's an experienced or inexperienced It does also depend upon that, right? But, like, that's unilateral. You will have a longer or shorter leash depending on what the organization is expecting out of you, right? And in the the case of, you know, I I mean, like, let's just compare. The the guy managing the A's right now, I I don't even know his name, right? If the A's lost all 162 games this year, would he get fired? No, because it's not viewed as his fault. 
it's not viewed as his fault because the roster isn't there. This is a rebuilding year. The A, as we've been saying all offseason, is like, come back to me in three years or come back to me in two years, right? And then we'll see if he can manage or not, right? But until then, he's kind of got a grace period. However, for the Mets, right, if Buck Showalter had not come in and won immediately, right, despite being a veteran, it, it wouldn't have mattered, right? There's still His leash would have been a lot shorter than it would have been, say, in Oakland, right? There's... But it wouldn't have been nearly as short as Mickey Calloway or Luis Rojas. They were each given two seasons, I believe. Rojas, Showalter I think, got one. Experience. Hmm. What? Didn't Rojas just get one? Well, 2020 also, but oh. – or 2020 oh. and 2021. Um, but yeah, it's different. I would say because baseball, you're playing a lot of games and you don't really fire managers in the middle of the season. Yeah, no, no, that is something that I will say. If you want to stick with them, they're going to finish. Yeah, that is something that I will say. There is no such thing as an interim manager unless like there is a grave circumstance. Right. But like, I mean, even with Bobby Valentine with, with the Red Sox in 2012 or whatever, 2011, where they stunk. Like they still waited till the end of the season to fire him. That I will give you is that there is no such thing as an interim manager in the, in the MLB. Every other sport has that guys get fired and hired in the middle of the season. Right. I mean, in the NBA, I see it less than the NFL and NHL though. Yeah, but it still happens. Like it happens. It's just, it's not as frequent. I, but I mean, I've seen guys get pulled. I Frank Vogel won a championship two years ago and he just got the ax in a, uh, in a uh, Laker town. Like, well, it's a different team. Yeah, well, that there are like a it, lot of factors that goes. Trades into were made. You can't blame it on. Yeah, whatever. There are. Listen, to make a statement that that is factually accurate, there are a lot of factors that determine how long or short of a leash a head coach has before he gets pulled, right? And it's worth mentioning that the the leash of the head coach is a lot shorter than the leash of the players in almost every situation, yeah. right? But Trot shouldn't have been on the end of his leash. And I'd say that some of those, I'd say that some of those factors include the city that you're playing in, the expectation of the owner, the expectation of the fan base, the tenure of the player or the tenure of the coach or manager, and then the sport itself. So, yeah, guys in the NHL tend to get longer leashes or shorter leashes, excuse me. But like the example that I use still applies. Let's say the guy comes in and he's very successful and he gets canned in the offseason. After all the after all that this guy did for his team and they and they just made him walk. Now I'm like nobody's safe. You know, like that's a scary feeling. It's like my job security is no longer guaranteed. And guys will react two ways to that. You know, they're, they're the guy, they're the Michael Jordans of the world to get motivated by anger and whatnot. And then there are people that crumble under that kind of pressure and who can blame them? It depends on the player and it depends also, you have to, I'm going to use your leash, but you have to scale the leash properly for the player. I don't, I don't have a leash. Okay. This is my no, show. I went, yeah. You have to scale the leash for the player. I'm just going to use baseball because I know more about it, but it's, like, for example, Jared Kellenick, he was a top prospect. He is not doing anything for the Mariners. It really has not been playing well at all ever since he got brought up. He has a much longer leash, even though he's young and probably shouldn't be on the team based on how he's playing. But because he was a top prospect and because he has that potential, he's still there. 
where a fringe minor leaguer, like a uh, Sheldon Noisy, is that how they say his name? Yeah, right? News Noisy, yeah. <laughs> um, someone like him, if he fell off and got no hits for the next two weeks, he's gone. He's out. See him. I could, I could see him not really being on the team because it's not like he was expected to do something. It's not, they're not waiting for the potential there. The only reason he would stay maybe is because the A's aren't doing well right now, but just, it's just an example. Uh, like, but for other sports, even when you have a player that is supposed to be good, you give them that flexibility because they're supposed to be good. They have that potential and they played like they should be playing all through what is it, college or whatever minor leagues or anything developmental. And they get to the big leagues and whatever sport, and they don't have it. Maybe you give them a season or two, but like you see it all the time. The guys that are up and down from the G League and the minors and develop whatever it is, they are not probably going to stay on the team, especially if they're not doing anything or they're not performing at a high level. And that also falls into the the general section that I that we're going to call this episode leash determination. Right. But like that kind of falls into the category of like pedigree, you know, because you can have pedigree before you play a game. That's the truth. Right. First overall pick has more pedigree than a seventh over than a seventh rounder. That's just the truth. You are going to get much less of a leash if you are a seventh round pick. I don't care what the circumstances are. And I, I don't care how smart or dumb that GM is. That's unilateral. Right. Just because I, I mean, think of the PR, right? I, I like fans are always going to be critical, myself included. So you think management doesn't know that they, they don't want to listen to it as much as we want to say it. So sometimes they're going to give the people what they want. And sometimes what people want is to see the top picks play, even if they shouldn't be right. Like, well, it's because they should be playing. They were drafted where they were drafted because they're supposed to be really good. Yeah. It's but I mean, the talent is like they it's yeah. It's not they're they're not playing them because they think they have to. They're playing them because they should be playing better. Maybe they just need that time to get some more experience at that level to maybe turn into a better player. Like you see draft busts all the time. It happens everywhere. No matter if you were in the first round or second round, whatever. You could look great before you reach the majors or like the, future draft whatever. bust Jared Kalanick. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's different it. for each sport again, but. Like you see it all the time. Like they're not playing them because they feel like they have to, but you have to give them that opportunity, especially yeah, if- because we wasted a lot of fucking capital on this kid for him to suck. You know, I, yeah. I, I mean, I'm thinking of like, how many chances did Kwame Brown get, you know, like, and it was because he was first overall pick, you know, and, and bust is a difficult term. It really is. And this goes for any sport. Because bust is dependent upon expectation. People call, uh, and I know I'm drawing for from football here, but like people call Reggie Bush a bust. He wasn't a bust. He had like he ten. Yeah. He had like ten thousand all-purpose yards and was in the league for ten years and won a Super Bowl. Like, no, he wasn't a bust. But the problem was is the expectation. It was expected that Reggie Bush was going to be the greatest running back of all time. And they you just wasn't have someone to live up to that, especially if they haven't even started playing yet. Yeah. I, and there have been guys who have lived up to crazy high expectations. I think of Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, uh, Mike Trout, honestly, if I'm being completely honest with you, Bryce Harper. Um, I'm trying to just like pull from all sports here. Uh, Joe Burrow has been a guy who's lived up to every single expectation that's been placed upon him to this point. Right. 
But there are some Probably guys. a little early, but I would love to see that. Yeah, but I mean, Reggie Bush was almost immediately like considered, not almost immediately, but like people were looking at him, like waiting for him to get good, according to them, which I look at a guy who had 10,000 all-purpose yards and I see somebody who was perfectly adequate, right? Yeah. I mean, no, is he not what they wanted? I think they took him at second or third overall. No, you're right. You're right. He is not as he is not the same game changing talent that he was in college where Reggie that, Bush it happens all the time, though. Like he's if you're considering him a bust, then look at everyone else taking like. Yeah, exactly. and, that, and that's what I'm saying. So many. And that's what I'm saying is that like you really got to look at this. You got to you got to consider because there is such thing as a bus, right? Like a bust is a guy that you draft in the mid first round that doesn't even make it. That's a bust. Right. A bust is not a guy who comes in and is just okay. You know, is that a disappointment? Yeah, but that's not a bust. Like at least the guy got there. It could always be worse. Remember that. It could always be worse. Yeah. I was curious, so I looked at Kwame Brown. <laughs> He's played for seven teams in his career and he never averaged over 10 points a season, except for one where it was 10.9. He was a fine defender. He was a fine, but you don't draft that first overall. Yeah. So what's the point in all this? The point in all this is that sports are stupid and that you shouldn't watch them, but you should listen to the Play Discipline podcast. Why? I don't know. Because you feel like it? Maybe? Yeah. (laughs) Tim, you have anything to contribute? I don't think so. I feel like we... uh... I feel like we, uh, I mean, I wasn't off topic, but I, I feel like it, I do feel like it is yeah, relevant. Well, in fairness to me, Tim, okay, I had no notes this week and I have finals. You I know thought. who doesn't have finals? You, uh, get I, off your dead ass and do something. I've been like dead. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Tell me more. No, really, I, I'm really interested. I picked up a Slurpee before I got here. Wow. What flavor Slurpee? I'm fascinated. The cherry and the blueberry. Oh, there's something fucking wrong with you. By, by the way, I hope anybody listening at home realizes this. I am exactly this way in person. This is not an act. Not an act. <laughs> this is, and you're thinking to yourself, man, that guy's a dick. You're right. I am. I am an asshole. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm just glad my parents don't listen to this show. Although my dad did listen once and tell me that he didn't like it. He thought it was bad, which like, yeah, yeah, it show stinks. But like, I didn't need to hear that from my father. Anyway, what's it, dude? Isn't college baseball still going on? I college, think so. Nobody watches college baseball. Feels like no. people follow MLB prospects do, but I don't. And even then, like guys get drafted out of high school, so like. You know, a lot of the top guys get drafted out of high school. The only time I researched any of that was when I tried to predict what would happen in baseball in 2025, voice track, 2025. And I had to look at that to see who would be drafted this year. So the, um, and the other thing too, which we've mentioned on the show before, I think, um, is that in baseball, it's at least two years before you start seeing before honestly longer oh more than that the top prospects are yeah it's like three to four years before top prospects start poking their head out you know like mostly then you get like acuna and soto and they're up really quick yeah or for the most part it it takes a while 
right? Like, you know, a lot of these guys, they fight for a while in the minors to get up here and then they get up like most other sports, you know, your early round picks, especially in the NBA, right. And the uh, NFL. almost always in the NBA, if you don't, and, you're not really considered useful. And in the, the NFL and in the NFL, like you're playing. So get ready. Like in the NHL, you might develop for three to four years, two to three years, depending on, you know, how talented you are and, you know, talent, talent where you're drafting. Yeah. Talent will find you. Talent will find, like, you know, if you have talent, they will find you and you will play in, in, you know, when it comes to professional sports. If you really are good enough, they will find you. But, I mean, baseball, like. No one plays when they're drafted. No, no. I I mean, has that even ever happened? Has anybody ever done that? Not in the past, like, 30 or 40 years, probably. (laughs) Like, I mean, has I mean, well, I, I had, I'd have to imagine that some players, but it was probably when there was less emphasis on the minor leagues. Like, I don't think Tom Seaver ever played in the minor leagues. I don't think. Yeah. But I don't like, I'd love to know who the last guy that came straight up was like just 20 year old kid, 19 year old kid. Just, Hey assholes. What's up? Yeah. Oh, actually oh, Seaver played 30, he pitched 34 games in the minors. But that yeah. Was so it. even he had some development and that's a guy who did it. Yeah, like, and It was one season, but like what I'm saying is, they put such an emphasis on developing players through the minor leagues where you're going to play like a full season in double a, or maybe even two or three depend. Like it, it, it's rare that you see anyone go that quickly through the minors. No one goes straight to the majors when they're drafted. No. Which is another problem with trying to develop a team, by the way, in majors, because everything kind of happens in slow-mo. Other sports, yeah, and- you go get a top overall pick. Boom. That process is started. Right. And that's why there was so many, there was a lot of negotiation on free agency and arbitration when we still had the lockout because of that, how long it takes for players to get to the majors. And then the teams take advantage of their service time by not bringing them up when they're ready just to save that time so that they have them for another year. And then the more time you're wasting on that player, the older they get, you're a free agent at like 29 or 30. And then some teams are like, well, you should get this much money based on your skill, but you're older now. So we're not going to pay you as much. You can almost use it as an excuse. That's why players want to get up quick. They want to show what they can do. They want to make money. (laughs) They want to get paid while they're still under team control, but they want to be free agent when they're like 27 or 28. So they get those big, like even bigger contracts. Everybody wants to go get paid. Especially if you're younger. Yeah. And you have that skill. That's never going to change. But when you get into your thirties, it gets harder to get that contract. Baseball, lots of free agents get like are granted free agency when they're 30 like or 29 or something like that but it's because of the amount of time in the minors it's because of the service time manipulation it's a whole thing so at least they're changing some arbitration rules so at least the the younger players get paid a little more but you know it's a whole thing with free agency it doesn't exactly work that way in other sports yeah baseball sucks play discipline podcast baseball sucks i gotta pee uh, I think I've ended like the last two shows like that. <laughs> They're going, I gotta pee. But did you stop recording? No, no. not yet. <laughs> Gonna start now. <laughs>